0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Fintech Focus TV, brought to you by Harrington Star, global leaders in financial technology recruitment. Head over to the Harrington Star website today, where you'll be able to download our brand new documentary, The Era of Convergence, which charts the merger of traditional and decentralized finance. You'll also be able to see our new magazine, The Financial Technologists, with the top 1% workplace awards. Enjoy the show and we'll see you soon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of FinTech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today, I am absolutely delighted to welcome someone I've been waiting to have on the show for ages. He's doing some fantastic things with his business at the moment, and I'm really, really excited to get into the depths of everything involved within it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Vuk Mandelinic from Overbond. How are you? Hi, Toby. Very well. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Listen, it's a really exciting business. I feel like I've been getting to know it a lot over the last couple of months. And uh, we've got loads that we're going to get into, including your your plans. I know there's a big change for you coming up in, in terms of your life over the course of the next year and, and such like as, as the business continues to expand. We'll get into all of that and be hearing about what's, uh, what's happening in the marketplace and a few predictions for the year ahead as well. But before we do that, will you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and Overbond as well, please?
1: Of course, so Overbond is a quant analytics firm. We focus on credit trading automation. Trading desks need to automate part of their credit trading workflow. Normally, the analogous service to Overbond service would be the execution management system or EMS. We provide what I call unbundled API-based data feed that trading desks can take advantage of to augment their normal or legacy OMS service and automate larger parts of their credit trading work.
0: And it's a really interesting space that, isn't it? Because over the, over recent years, we've seen a lot of movement within the OMS, EMS, EMS world. There's a number of different participants within there. And I know that you've been getting more and more traction within it. So talk to us about how you're adding real value to that, you know, to that space at the moment.
1: Absolutely. It's hard to automate credit trading in a sense, or it has been traditionally, as you need to aggregate data, There needs to be a modeling component, usually delivered through the AI layer with a look back of historical performance transactions, data sets from disparate databases. And of course, this is a real time analytics, so it needs to be engineered at the tick level. So in recent years, we've seen a couple of technological breakthroughs that make larger parts of credit automation possible or more market situations in uh, QSIP sizes that are less liquid or that have very variable liquidity profile. Some of these tech breakthroughs are serverless cloud processing, more compute power given to these algos that can go into a deeper historical look back and sort of say not lose the beat or still provide an analytic at the tick level. Overbond has capitalized on those trends and I should say uh, you know we're proud of the fact that we are one of the fastest refresh rate largest coverage data feeds you can deploy to a credit trading operation
0: and it's and it's an area as you say which has had, had a lot of innovation in it or as we as we say has had a lot of innovation within it and I think one of the things in particularly in certain asset classes is there's been a lot of solutions that have come through that have potentially been you know strong technologically but not necessarily answering must have solutions. And I think what's quite interesting about Overbond and where the opportunity sits is it's adding real value to people there. I like the idea of technology that comes in there and is absolutely inevitable for the space which, which you're in. You, you need to use it to to uh, to compete at the level which you you've done or you can do as, as a business. And I think what uh, you know when I've looked at your business and when I've been speaking to people about your business, I think one of the exciting things is is this isn't a nice to have. it becomes a bit of a need to have, right?
1: yeah and i think that reflects in our uh, go to market or business model approach we focused on calculation backend data aggregation connectivity or interoperability with the existing uh, tech stack that desk has and in many ways is kind of locked into so that we can really deliver you know optimal from precision coverage speed and cost data feed that can provide signals and triage all market situations to subsistence trades in various protocols across venues where you can automate and do so profitably. Some of the nice to have obviously would be layers of UI or you know kind of a workflow assistance that's more on the display level. But we remain true to the core, which is the calculation middleware and the data feed that goes into the backend bones of the trading desk.
0: I think that probably is is an interesting fact that comes from your background because I was looking at your your sort of journey to starting this 8 8 years ago was it
1: yes 2000 and late 15 I would say December 30th so almost 16 as the first year of operation
0: yeah and one of one of my sort of pet hobbies on this is is I've done a number of fintech focused tv shows over the last couple of years and um, I'm fascinated by the background. I love, I love speaking to entrepreneurs and, and founders and, and people all the way through that, that sort of journey. I'm trying to cluster where the most successful background is for people to come through. And we see, we see lots of different routes for it. We see strong technologists coming through. We see product guys uh, you know, happening quite a lot at the moment. You see people from legal backgrounds and compliance backgrounds quite a lot with various you know, areas, particularly around reg tech. You see salespeople, you see incumbents, so traders, et cetera, who are coming through. And, providing solutions. I think you've got a really interesting background that, that, that when you've talked there about some of the needs in your go-to-market, when you talk about the, the sort of value in, uh, that you're creating for it, it's almost a very consultative view of the world, which then takes it into, the, you know, you talk about precision, you talk about speed, you talk about cost, you're talking about all of the, the predominant things there which people need to see. Tell me a little bit about how your background, having been someone who's an incumbent in a bank, through to someone who's worked at some of the major, you know, management consultancies in the world, et cetera, et cetera. How's that shaped how you've taken this company to market so successfully?
1: I I mean, I think I draw from kind of various parts and and, and bits through my career. In some ways, it's a very multifaceted product or, or problem that requires knowledge of the subject matter. So, you know, finance, how markets function, what is the convention in terms of a tradable product or convention in terms of how it's quoted, what is the math or calculation convention behind it, but then very quickly also requires pure math, data science, non-functional knowledge that's perhaps universal across many industries, not just finance, but you can apply it as a data processing problem in any industry. And there, a skill set that requires being able to look at the data trends cluster maybe even look at the correlations or kind of influencing factors fast and then do so in a programmatic way. So it's a beautiful blend in a sense of finance, tech, fintech, and then engineering. And, and we see that in kind of the roster of people we need to hire and retain and, and people that are already in the company.
0: And that that's sort of company is interesting to me because it's based on a global basis or a global scale, isn't it? So you've got people, the majority of people are, in, are in Canada, you've got a fair amount in North America, you're, you're growing out in Europe as well. Talk to us about how you're growing the business and from where you are and, and where you're able to serve, because you're talking about an international problem as you guys are solving, as opposed to just a local problem. So
1: how's the business scaling? Very much so. And, you know, being can- Canadian headquarter, we faced that early on, most of our trading automation use cases are in European or Euro-denominated securities or USD. And by nature of things, you know, funds either sell-side dealer desks or buy-side trade execution desks are domiciled, New York, London, and, and in a wider international context. So servicing other markets, being close to how markets function in those areas was obviously one of the things that we were facing early on. But then on the R&D and kind of expertise side, we've also had to work with more of a research and development type approach. We've established R&D Lab in partnership with some PhD programs in Canadian universities early on, which was actually headquartered in Montreal, to get to the maturity of models and precision coverage we enjoy today. I think for 2023, one of the key trends for us and, and, and a pivotal point in our scaling is growth in European region. We're establishing London, uh, UK-based office. We're staffing up that office with, you know, uh, resources that are obviously going to be covering sales and marketing, but some product management as well as project management functions. And also, you know, staffing up our engineering resources outside of the UK office that are going to continue to mature precision and coverage of all Overbondology. It's an exciting sort of phase for it, isn't it? And talk to me about that because
0: companies go through different sort of cycles and stages of growth, et cetera, et cetera. There's been good growth from, from Overbond over the last eight years or so. But it feels to me like 2023 has got something pretty exciting in store for you. And I know that's something which uh, we've spoken about a little bit so far to date as well. But tell us about what 2023 looks like for the business.
1: Well, it's marketplace driven, I'd say. The ecosystem is ready. I think the credit trading is the next phase of automation. If you look at kind of asset class that automated it went through that full adoption cycle, inequities, FX, uh, fixed income, specifically now after rates credit, very much so showing strong market signals, even in last quarter with heightened risk, sideways, uh, heightened volatility, lower liquidity in corporates, we haven't seen a dip in electronic execution volumes, Mm. which indicates strength in applying algo approach forward, regardless of kind of perhaps recessionary sentiment, inflationary sentiment, or any other kind of market turmoil we could face in 2023. I think uh, electronic algo automated approach is here to stay. And and it's here to stay, I, th- I think, in a risk-adjusted way. It doesn't mean kind of on off, and that's partly what Overbond focuses on in its own algo approach. It means risk adjusted when eligible trade is going to be automated. And I think mm. that is an exciting thing for our business, but it's also an exciting thing for the marketplace.
0: Yeah, and I think the marketplaces, you, you've touched on a lot there with regards to the sort of macroeconomic situation. And I think there's a, a number of different, you know, I was, I was talking about it with someone earlier on today. There's there's offence and defence and, and people sort of like to sit there and be a little bit conservative and cautious at, at various different times. But I also think, you know, as we saw, particularly in, in you know, 2020 and onwards, there are companies there who really grabbed the nettle and pushed further forward and, and said, look, this is a, this is a great time to expand great time to, to gain investment. When most people were saying, actually, no, I'm, you know it can't be a good time for investment. It can't be a good time to expand. Let's sit down and see what happens and go through all of that sort of thing. You guys are, are taking the, the sort of latter approach of offense rather than defense by the looks, the looks of it. How confident do you feel about the headwinds of 2023?
1: On a macro level, there are some headwinds. And, and we see that obviously post COVID, post some structural macroeconomic events that have transpired in 2022, and you know they're not to be ignored, and their uh, you know impact is not to be ignored. But that said, the tooling that provides ability to measure whether a security is liquid, whether the uh, trade is eligible for auto execution and a risk adjusted way i think needs to exist in an up or down market in a high or low volume market in a sense and if we can achieve precision coverage speed and optimal cost of that tooling to perform in any market i think it then carries equal amount of benefit so Mm. that's what excites me about 2023 that we are technologically ready that with the data aggregation levels, with the advent of this AI in memory look back that can be processed at speed at a tick level, we can then have automation in really various kind of market risk situations. And you know, in that sense, I don't want to give you a non-answer um, <laughs> about how markets would be in 2023, but I think the demand for this kind of product will stay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think there's a that's that to me is the key part, isn't it? Let's look at, at what's you know let's let's anticipate what's needed. Let's see where those areas are where efficiencies are, are needed, where cost reductions are needed. And I think you've mentioned it there. You know, when you talk about cost and precision, those are words that are timeless, no matter what sort of marketplace and people need to optimise to be able exactly. to perform. And, and that's that to me is a very exciting sort of thing. And if you've got a product there that, that isn't just B A U. But can increase those sort of areas. It's it's a, it becomes a no brainer for what people need to look at and how they need to take things further forward. I think there's um there's an interesting piece around you know product lines and how people then move to adjust to you know to situations. We saw a word that had been I think traditionally in software had been a pretty dirty word as pivot had been used at a number of different states. No one wanted to be talking about pivot because it effectively meant failure. But I always felt that it was to me it was more entrepreneurial than that. In 2019, I saw a number of different companies. 2020 in particular. So a number of different companies look at their clients' issues and say, right, we can adapt the product to really make sure that, the, yeah, that their issues are of key significance. Their issues are, are, are our issues. So let's get out there and solve them and make it more efficient to them. From what I understand, that's, that's, a, that's a very much the overbond way you guys are looking at those sort of things and, and anticipating what's going to be happening and what your customers are going to be needing. Talk to us about products and what that looks like, because I know you're investing in products and you're investing in the product team, et cetera, et cetera. What does it look like for, uh, for next year for you?
1: Love that analogy, Toby, by the way. Pivot and, and constant pivoting, uh, I think, coupled with this notion of fail fast in, in yeah. data science specifically, when you're dealing with AI, it's highly iterative approach. I often say because it's a nonlinear correlation set, you have to run it and see the results and then iterate on it. So by definition, it's an iterative approach to get to precision coverage, let's say, results you want. Very excited about some recent product breakthroughs. We've launched RFQ side sensitivity feature, which is measuring what we call total market capacity or available inventory in the market for a particular bond. Very hard to measure metric given that, you know, we don't have fully consolidated tape, let's say in Euro, and how much of that security traded daily is not necessarily visible. Mm. So a breakthrough there. We've also launched a very robust margin optimization algorithm for sell side, where broker, market making, credit trading desk on a sell side can effectively maximize, or what I say opportunistically capture PNL on RFQs where perhaps they've witnessed a larger distance to cover or second best price on some of the RFQs of similar nature. So this algo is trained to minimize that and opportunistically capture PNL when it can. So those are the two that I highlight. And I think I think the placement of these algos now on, you know, plethora of trading desks, especially in Europe in 2023, you know, is is going to be our focus. And I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. I love that iteration, I think, so critical to all of this, isn't it? And as we live in a more and more volatile time and a, and a more volatile world, and technology advances so quickly, you mentioned it there about AI and data two of the fastest evolving technologies that we've ever seen in, you know, in the history of mankind. And, you know, only this week we're seeing, you know, all the stuff about ChatGMT and such like and everything that's happening within that, that sort of world. I just think that the, the, the there's such a significance to make sure that, it's, that there is that iterative improvement. You know, Kaizen's one of our core values as a business. And I think it sort of adapts so well into all of our customers at the same sort of time to make sure it's it's a it's a continuous learning process around how you can do things. And I think data, I'm I'm fascinated by data in the financial services world, because I think it's something that everyone's been talking about for such a long time, but haven't really gathered and garnered the the sort of massive benefits that you see in in other sectors. I talk about this quite a lot on the show. It's one of my sort of pet topics, where the retail world has absolutely revolutionized itself through data and the service that can provide to its customers. And I think financial services, which is for, you know, for obviously regulatory reasons has been a little bit more tech shy at various different stages to really harness the full power of, of data. Everyone wants it. Everyone wants to do something with it. And everyone's been a bit toe in the water around where that comes through. My view is, is that 2023 is, is a time where you're, you're going to see a lot more appetite for that, for reasons that we've spoken about beforehand, where people are looking to squeeze that extra productivity out of everyone in their business to make sure they can look at their customers and think how they how they can optimize things about, you know, that little bit more. Is that something you echo as well?
1: Absolutely. And to get there, you kind of have to work front to back, and it does come back to data or data available mm-hmm. and quickly becomes how can I source more aggregate, perhaps aggregate from different data families. In Overbond's case, you know, we've been quite active in in identifying testing types of pre-trade and post-trade data families that we can deploy to the algorithms and still see incremental precision and coverage. And we've delivered actually quite a a bit of, you know, aggregation from data families that perhaps have not been utilized in this segment or monetized in a way to date. Examples of that are settlement data sets that augment or prop up for, uh, let's say, the lack of consolidated tape in Europe. The other ones are venues that are executing corporate bond trades away from just RFQ protocol and and perhaps have, you know, firm quote where we can get in a pre-trade feed "Quote and size very valuable for inclusion in a pre-trade uh, data family to these algorithms. So just a few examples to highlight the fact that this quest for more data aggregation is never stopping, and it is incremental. And outlook on then improving the end goal or efficiency that we all want to achieve does often link back to how much data you can harness or source.
0: The the consolidated consolidated tape discussion is is one that sort of uh seems to be on every event that I go to in the industry yes. and, and and it has been it has been for, for a while and, and I, I feel that again if you're looking at uh, themes of twenty three you're probably going to see consolidated tape being you know, another one of the headline making uh, concepts that's out there over the course of the year what's your take on what we, what we see particularly on the European markets I know it's a more, you know, more established out in the states et cetera but how do you see that progressing this year
1: I think it's progressing and we're very supportive, but the time horizon of initiative of that magnitude is going naturally going to take some time. So initiating it or formalizing it at the legislative level versus operationalizing it and then having a data fee that's actually usable functionally at the trading desk, in my view, uh, given other jurisdictions where it was enabled, probably is multi-year effort. In the interim, I do believe that there are commercial solutions, including Overbond, that can aggregate the data to the extent of creating a quasi-consolidated tape view that can be very beneficial for the desk. And that is through the application of AI that can concuss or aggregate data families, pre-trade, post-trade, and resolve the lack of visibility that exists right now and that consolidated tape will eventually solve. But in the interim, we can solve with some of the commercial tools at hand.
0: Talk to me a little bit about your European growth. You touched on it beforehand. We know that you've, you've had a strong U.S. presence and, and Canadian presence over the last few, you know, few years. And this, is, this creates a big opportunity. What do you think some of the, the sort of challenges as a Canadian business moving across to Europe and, and taking that sort of opportunity thing on? And, and, and conversely, what are the opportunities that sit around it as well? What makes you so excited
1: about uh, and confident about where it goes for the business? Well, sort of the confident or, or, or market-driven part. The demand for credit trading automation in Europe is quite strong. I mm. think in many cases, it's to do with the market structure. We do have a competitive landscape of sell-side dealers across the European region in different languages, in different kind of coverage areas across Europe. So, so it creates for a vibrant and competitive ecosystem of sell-side market-making desks. And then similarly, buy-side, asset management, trade execution desks. So from that perspective, automation in credit trading needed for competitive reasons. And I think 2023 will see even stronger demand for, for, for product of this nature. The pains of scaling in the ecosystem that's that vast is maybe somewhat obvious. We need to be present in front of as many clients as we can. We need to be agile in servicing them and solving their real problems. And we need to be nimble to do so with, you know, speed and, and quality necessary. So in some ways, it, it boils down to growing our team and, and, and growing our London office and then taking in from there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's, that's such i I'm, I'm glad you said it
0: because I am a, uh, yeah, by nature, I believe that, that people drive the product, right? And if you've got... Um, if you've got an outstanding product and you've got poor, poor people, it's very difficult for that product to get the traction, which it should do. And I think, um, you know, if you can attract and, and retain the best quality of staff into, into a business with a good idea and a good product, then that's that, that, you know, I use the word again, inevitable. It becomes inevitable that that product, if it's the right fit and the right sort of scale, and you're talking about a marketplace that does have the need, that does have the scale, that does have the opportunity. I think that becomes a really compelling solution. So I'm very, very excited to see, and hear what you're doing what you're doing over the course of the of 2023 and excited to hear what that looks like let's finish with an overview of, of the year ahead look we're recording this as you can see from the Christmas tree behind me
1: uh, <laughs> on,
0: on, on the run-up to Christmas tell me a little bit about what uh, what you think 2023 is going to look like from a financial technology marketplace what are some of the trends that we should be seeing what's some of the exciting things going to be seeing what's the market look like for 23.
1: I Say we'll see more data aggregation and uh, corporate bond trading automation. I think we'll see some new, perhaps, protocols attracting more volumes, perhaps away from just RFQ, which is obviously the, the, the majority of corporate bond trades. I would also say that the penetration of the EMS-like service to corporate trading desks will be more mature. And uh, there will be obviously more competition in the space as we fully adopt bond trading automation, especially in the corporate space. So I think 2023, will see kind of a de facto breakthrough or tipping point here uh, in this segment. That sounds pretty exciting. So there's going to be lots of people here who've listened to
0: this and and, and are are (laughs) are recognizing some of the issues you're talking about, they're recognizing on their desks, some of the things which which can can be improved. They want to reach out and they want to talk to everyone. A, who should be talking to you? And B, how should they get in touch with you?
1: Please just email us. There's a generic handle, info at overbond.com for any type of inquiry. Uh, You can also email me personally if there's a market structure or or a thought leadership uh, opportunity at vuk.magdelenic at overbond.com.
0: Fantastic, and and what the best people to be reaching out to you? Who, who's who can you uh, who can you help
1: from the roster of potential clients, people interested to join our team, or in general, Toby? There we go, <laughs> and there's some exciting things happening well, on that front. Any well. in between, all over the world,
0: right? <laughs> Anyone <laughs> and everyone, roll up, roll up. There's uh, there's some uh, some great conversations we had. But it's, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, and I'm really excited and, and thrilled to be working with you with your business. I'm really interested in it. I think it's a, a great spot that you're in. I've been having superb feedback from people I've been talking to about what you're doing. There's a lot of excitement around what's happening with the company. So I know how busy you are as well in the run-up to Christmas. I'm, I'm very grateful to you for taking the time to talk to me today. And thanks for, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much. I really
0: appreciate it. Always good to talk to you too. Absolutely. And thank you all for watching. We'll see you soon on another episode of FinTech Focus TV. Thanks a lot.